All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The first selection of the National Hockey League Draft belongs to... The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL Draft. Gretzky had it, lost it, Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman holding, blue line, chance, stop! Face off. The Daily Face Off. The Daily Face Off podcast with your host, Brock Sagan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 3, Episode 20 of the Daily Face Off podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan, and with me, as always, we've got Dylan D. Berthium. How's it going, D? Hanging in there, recovering from a tough loss uh, over All-Star weekend, but you know what? We're hanging in. <laughs> <laughs> and our resident All-Star champion, Michael Biebs Bondi. Biebs, you absolutely ran away with it. I don't know, though. This might be your first victory of the podcast. <laughs> Could it be the first of many? Is this your year? I saw you tweet out that 2018 might be the year of the Biebs. My How do you year. feel? My year, absolutely. It was almost too easy. I just, you know, y- you heard me break down my team. We all know the reasons why why they came out. Um, oh, yeah, 2018, it's the year of Biebs. So whatever I say is going gonna, is gonna to work, um, essentially. So all my pickups will be perfect. No, I'm just kidding. Now they're all going to suck. But, um, yeah, it was nice to see my name at the top of the leaderboard instead of the bottom. Um, I didn't really know how to take it, so I, I, I celebrated a little not gracefully. Um, just... <laughs> wrote out a tweet like aggressively just stating how like something i don't know I was how like, amazing too you are. easy yeah <laughs> um but it's good it's good it's a lot of fun um i didn't win on like my uh my betting that i did for um for that weekend though on the all-star break what really matters the money stuff so i guess uh i wish no, we the most important off. is clearly the pride on the podcast Obviously yeah no yeah 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I gotta yeah. People gotta know that um I can win sometimes. So yeah, you can't <laughs> lose them all. Um, but no, it was hilarious. But like D, I never really even like put a replacement in for Taylor Hall for you. Could have been Brian Boyle, but at the same time, <laughs> I just randomly lost like Seth Jones. Like here I am thinking he was gonna be my sleeper pick and carry me to a win again and then like i didn't even really pay attention to all-star weekend and then all of a sudden i found out that he just wasn't even there so i'm like well i guess <laughs> me and d are both down to play at this point uh and I-, I went and like i didn't even get a chance to watch any of the skills competition and then i went back and checked out all the results and as i'm going through them i literally did not pick up a single point <laughs> in the skills comp you two each had like three or four each or whatever and i'm like wow i am in trouble and then uh Beebs, you just absolutely ran away with it. It was uh, quite the impressive victory. All-Star Game MVP, Brock Besser, leading my squad. There um, you go. I said he was going to want to show off. He wanted to prove himself. What did he do? He proved himself. Yeah. Sorry, I'm done. I'm done pumping my own tires. It's been good. <laughs> We're going to talk about Besser a little bit later in the show, but boys, why Can't don't wait. we go ahead? I, I feel like at this point last year, I was trying to go back and find the exact numbers, and I couldn't. But I feel like it was something around the number five at this point in time. We had five coaches fired last year. Some, oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys, what do you guys remember? There was at least four at this point of the year last year. I think because like Michael Terrian was fired or Michelle Terrian was fired like right around Gerard this time Gallant last year. was he, left off the bus. Yeah. 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 I think <laughs> yeah. It, anyways, we were at about four or five coaches fired at this point last year. And then here we are the first day of February and not a single coach has been let go in 2017-18 is it just because everybody sucks this year and nobody is just like completely out of it yet? Or what do you guys think it is? Uh, and, and who, if there is anybody to be fired, who's going to be the first guy to be fired? Beebs, you're coming off a heater. So why don't we stick with you? It's the year of the Beebs. Who's the first? <laughs> who's Whose seat is the hottest right now? Wow. I, I never like to talk about another man's job. But um, on this one, um, I'm... Uh, I got to say, uh, I kind of stepped away from the usual picks. Um, I didn't want to, you know, go after the completely obvious. But one guy who's stepping out, especially in a lot of Canadian media, is Todd McClellan. Um, the Edmonton fans definitely um, are unhappy with him right now. I think a lot of people are unhappy with him. That whole team just has a lot going wrong. And we all know that the only solution to stuff going wrong is just to fire the head coach, right? <laughs> so um, I had Todd McClellan as my one. And honestly, my reason, I forgot to mention this, that I think the coaches aren't being fired is because there's a lot of teams surprising this year um, who are normally the bad teams who are doing good. And then the, the good teams whose coaches have had good runs, the Chicago's, the San Jose's, um, even uh, even Edmonton, really, their coaches just they're giving them a longer leash because they've had good years in the past, um, which is what we're seeing with McClellan. But the other guy who I mentioned, San Jose, uh, Pete DeBoer, um, that team's probably not going to make the playoffs this year. Um, when a team like that doesn't make the playoffs, sometimes there's changes, especially if they know in February that they're not going to make it. So that's my other guy. Um, hate to see it, but you know, could happen. He's oh one gosh. guy that definitely doesn't look like he's worried about losing his job. He sits on the bench just emotionless. <laughs> yeah. Just not a care in the world. But yeah, that nope. team's kind of fallen off. Obviously, losing somebody of the caliber of Joe Thornton is going to you know, hurt your team. That. Martin Jones' game has fallen off considerably. Uh, he played very well against Detroit yesterday. They still couldn't walk away with the W. Uh, he got absolutely undressed on like four occasions in that shootout yesterday. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see yeah, it. Yeah, that Tatar one was just... Yeah, yeah it was t- filthy. Tatar and Athanasiu's goals were gross. And then I I uh I put money on that game on the Red Wings and at mybookie.ag and <laughs> nice. 
they send out Justin Abdelkader in the shootout, and I was like, oh my god. I thought like, they I'm, know I'm, I'm betting. Yeah, here I am just watching money burn, and then Abdelkader just completely undresses him. I couldn't believe it. I almost spit beer like all over the place. It was just that shocking. But uh, The usual D, Abdelkader stuff, right? Yeah, obviously. I was like, I can't believe this guy's out here right now. Uh, but D, who do you think that you know is on the hot seat right now? Uh, well, yeah, I think Biebs is right, at least in the like part that um, that I like. No one's really come out and disappointed so far this year, and I think that's why um, you've seen guys like Boucher and Helsley hold on to their jobs because the expectations weren't sky high coming in. Aside from you know, I guess McClellan and the Oilers, um, but I think they're just at a, at a point in their development right now with their personnel that it's kind of just an awkward phase. Um, but the one guy I thought maybe. Apart from Boucher, really, it was Dave Haxtell in Philly. Um, There's already some calls for his job earlier in the year during their long losing streak. Uh, and their big guys have carried them to some wins, and it's kind of kept everyone off Haxtell's back right now. But he's made some questionable personnel decisions this year, and if they go on another slide, I think Holmgren's patience is kind of already worn thin. Uh, and they're at the point right now where they really want to win before the guys like Borchek, Drew, and even Simmons get too far away from their prime. So, uh, to me, it just kind of seems like there's just enough desperation there to make kind of a quick move if they do kind of look like they start, they're starting to slide again. Yeah, I feel like in a city like Philadelphia, your seat's always hot. Like, I feel like you oh, could yeah. never be a coach in that city and Warm be, like, bottom. completely completely comfortable. Yeah. You're also never going to have a good goaltender, but that's... Yeah, they're, hey, they're, uh, their goaltending depth is starting to look a little bit better, but still, they'll probably trade him before it's too late. Um, True. Carter Hart will never make it there. <laughs> but for me, I think Guy Boucher uh, is an, another one of the obvious candidates here. The Senators sit yeah. third last in the NHL, nine games under 500, third worst uh, goal differential in the league as well. The Senators' demise has really kind of been their goaltending, obviously, to this year. Uh, and then obviously a less than 100% Eric Carlson doesn't help things, especially now with trade rumors looming large. But it seemed like last year, I mean, we had the whole Craig Anderson thing and Mike Condon came in and played very admirably. And then when Anderson was there, he played, you know, above his head. And then this year, mm-hmm. neither one of them can stop a puck. It's just been terrible. So, I mean, I don't think it can all be put uh, put at Boucher's feet. But at the same time, uh, things aren't really working out in Ottawa. I think that they're headed towards a rebuild, and they might want to get a fresh young face in there to kind of move things along. But you know what? That that team is in just such disarray right now. I, I, I wouldn't put it all on Boucher. But, I mean, if I, I don't think there's too many clear you know front runners in terms of being fired right now that I, by other than Boucher. I think he's the one that's like yeah. the obvious one. I think Haxtell, yeah, you know, if, if they start to fall off here in the next couple months – uh, I think, or in the next month, I should say, he's in trouble. Uh, and it, definitely McClellan. I mean, it's hard not to say his... They, like That team blows my mind. Like We were talking about them as Stanley Cup favorites, potentially, at the start of the year. And, and we were not alone in that thinking. Like They were heavy favorites yeah. across the board. And, they, you know, all of a sudden, it's the, you know, the end of January. And Cam Talbot says, we're going to make the playoffs. And everybody just laughs in his face. Like So the team that was supposed to win the Cup at the start of the year, like, what's going on here? Yeah, no, exactly. It's uh, and 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 like we said, the easy solution is always just you know fire that guy and hope hope everything turns around. But um, it's easy but, to yeah. blame the guy at the top, right? Yeah, I can definitely think that you know those are those are some of the guys. If uh, you know, if we could bet on this on who's next to be fired, I would probably put a, put a couple dollars down there. Yeah, yeah. The one guy that should definitely be taking some heat is probably Pete Shirelli, but yeah, uh, 
I mean, that's what happens when you trade away all of your offensive talent for nobody. Never his fault. No, never. He, he's the best GM ever. You um, mean ever. McDavid can't score all the goals? No, he can't do it by himself. <laughs> I don't think, at least. Um, but, Biebs, Brock Besser absolutely carried you to an all-star weekend championship this week, obviously, this past yeah. weekend. And he is up there, obviously, in the Calder Trophy debate right now. Uh, it seems to be kind of down to him or Matthew Barzell at this point in time. Similar to what we kind of had last year with Matthews and Line A. But this year, you know, instead of going 1-2, these guys, were, these are players that were taken later in the draft that have absolutely uh, burst onto the scene this year. And this debate has really heated up in the last couple weeks. I mean, both players have just been playing exceptionally. Uh, Biebs, you know, Bo- Besser led you to this championship this past weekend. Is he your Calder Trophy favorite at this point, or do you still give an edge to Barzell? Yeah, Besser and his hair, should I mention, because his flow is just looking yeah. phenomenal all Filthy weekend. Filthy flow. I do have to sh- Maybe his first name has out. something to do with it, too. Oh, yeah. Well, average <laughs> name. All right, uh... He's definitely the best Brock I've ever uh, I've ever met. Well, not met. Sorry, that I, I just was know say, about. Have you met um, him? <laughs> oh, frick, I wish. Only in my dreams. But yes, um, I'm going with I'm going with Brock Besser as my uh, as my Calder Trophy winner by the end of the year, and mostly because um, I mean, ca- the, just the cast around him. That this is not mostly, but that that plays a lot for me. Not to say that that Barzell playing alongside Everly and Bolivier is you know a great line by any means, but it just a lot better than the whole team in general um, that's been around Brock Besser this year. He's really had to step into the role of being the best player on the team as a rookie, um, where Barzell has kind of been able to, you know, he's not facing the top D men, the top D pairings, or at least wasn't right away just because of Jonathan Tavares, um, as we know, leading the top line there. Another thing for me that has Brock Besser ahead is he has 24 goals, 20 assists through his first 47. Um, That's eight more goals than Barzell's 16 um, on the year, and then Barzell is 35 assists. So Barzell has the, the points on him, um, but Besser, as we know, got hurt for a couple games there. And uh, and again, the eight goals is just so impressive. I think he's going to crack 30, well, obviously not 35, I'm going to say. I think he's going to crack that. Um, and uh, and just for me, I, I don't know, Brock Brock Besser just seems like more the rookie of the year candidate. It's, it's more like the MVP um, argument where it's it's the guys around him where a lot of people have other people than Tampa's players this year as the MVPs just because they have so much. Um, I'm thinking the same for Brock Besser as my Calder Trophy winner here. And even with Brock, or, um, I apologize, uh, Bo Horvat going down for a couple weeks too. He's held his own. He's kept it up and uh, yeah, just super impressive. Yeah, I don't have too much to add on that because I agree uh, wholeheartedly. I think that I have some of the same points. It's just he's kind of We've seen that team win 20 games this year, and he's kind of dragged them uh, to those 20 wins almost single-handedly. I mean, the Sedins are a shell of what they used to be. Horvat going down obviously uh, hurt them a lot. Uh, Alex Edler's one guy that's actually really stepped up and had a really nice year this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Below average but, goaltending. Yeah, but Bar- uh, but Besser's really kind of done it himself. And like you said, 8th in the NHL in goals and, and 34th in points right now. Uh, but yeah, but you know, Barzell's been just exceptional as well but like you said he he has the luxury of facing the second pairing of the other team and playing with the likes of Jordan Everly and stuff like that which it, and you know playing on the power play with John Tavares it makes things yeah. uh, a lot easier and uh the one thing that's worth mentioning is they both have kind of outperformed like their um their on-ice shooting percentage and their personal shooting yeah. percentages are, are alarmingly high so I think we could see some regression here in the next couple months 
Um, you know, maybe it doesn't happen this year. Maybe it, it doesn't take effect until next year, kind of the sophomore slump deal. But they've both been extremely impressive. I think it's going to be, you know, the votes are going to be split by Harris by the end of the year here uh, when it comes down to actually voting for the Calder Trophy. But, uh, D, do you have any differing opinions? Do you think it's Barzell? Uh not really like i think to this point like barzell probably has it right now if you were to take the vote i mean they just did last week right and he got it yeah um but yeah i think Bester's obviously the biggest challenge to him down the stretch you know the 17 percent shooting percentage um makes it hard to bet on Besser, but he does shoot the puck a lot more than barzell so i i think if he can stay hot even just a little bit over the next little bit um he could definitely take it from him down the stretch it's gonna be close though yeah, for sure. And like I mentioned earlier, last year it kind of came down to Matthews line A and it didn't end up being as close as it looked like it might be uh, yeah, right. at the end of the season. But um, line A's had a really nice year this year in sure. Winnipeg and he's been playing with Blake Wheeler a lot recently. And Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet today wrote, he didn't write like an interesting piece. He actually just tweeted out a super long thread. But he talked about how good, we- thread, yep. yeah, how good Wheeler's been at center with since Mike Shar- uh, Mark Shifley got hurt. And he m- tried to make a case that even when Shifley gets back, that Wheeler should stay at center. And he compared them to the, the Stanley Cup winning Penguins. He kind of said that the Penguins' model to win their Stanley Cup was just to overwhelm teams with their depth. And he went on to add that the Jets are 9-2-2 with Wheeler at center uh line a and kyle connor when he was playing on that on that line uh their production has gone up playing with wheeler in the middle and his thought was to keep uh shifley and wheeler down the middle with young wingers like line a connor ehlers rosalvich is very similar to the the penguins model of having crosby and malkin on separate lines and playing with kind of like these young ahl call-ups uh you know rust Sheary. Jake Gensel, and this allowed last year specifically their third line to absolutely feast, right? I mean, Kessel yeah. and Hagelin, they went off, and they kind of have some similar talent level guys that would play on their third line, you know, Matthew Perot and, and Brian Little. And then, like I've said, this is a team that could definitely be looking to add another winger uh, at the trade deadline. So this could be, you know, a really deep, a really dangerous team. They have a good blue line. Hellebuck's played great. I just want to know what your guys' thoughts were. Um, you know, do you think that this is something Paul Maurice would look at? And, and, and you know, the Shifley's re- return is looming. They've got the tra- trade deadline right around the corner. Could they look to maybe add a piece and then keep Wheeler in the middle? And do they look like, can we can actually compare the Winnipeg Jets to the Pittsburgh Penguins at this point in the season? D, what do you think? uh no <laughs> like no to that like at least like when those team when they were winning you know those cups anyway like it, Crosby and Malkin were two top five players in the league Shifley and Wheeler aren't that they're really good but they're not that um yeah they're like the second tier of that and my one big issue with it though is like since Wheeler's moved to center like the line struggled defensively he's generated less chances for giving up more high danger chances against uh when he's been away from Shifley so it, and it did seem like they were kind of finding their group uh, right before Shifley got hurt. Uh, you know, as far as possession numbers go, obviously they've been hot all season long. Uh, but it just hasn't been the same with Wheeler in the middle. So I wouldn't be surprised if Maurice is actually anxious to get back to that. Their top six was clicking really well beforehand. Uh, and I kind of disagree that the Penguins beat teams with their depth, like especially that earlier cup, um, because 
it really wasn't that much past like Malkin and Crosby, the top six, the top two lines anyway. Like it's not like Gary Roberts was out there, you know, yeah. <laughs> scoring twenty goals down the playoff stretch. Like that's just not what happened. He he might just remember it differently. I don't know. That's not how I remember it. Um, so yeah, but and, and again, like the Jets' depth was already doing a lot earlier on in the season when with Shifley and Wheeler together, Perot was, uh, you know, going to work in the bottom six. So. I think there's enough there where you don't really need to do it, especially now that you have Kyle Connor, you can move up and down the lineup, uh, Roslovich, like you said. Um, but I think, you know, he'd just feel more comfortable uh, with Wheeler playing his natural position and having Little and Shifley down the middle in their top two lines. Um, do you yeah. think that they would... Do you think that they'll make a move? Do you look at the Jets as a team that... You know, because historically they haven't made trades. We talked about that on the podcast a couple weeks ago. But do you think that they're kind of now in a position where they can make a legitimate Stanley Cup push and actually add somebody, whether they want to keep Wheeler on the wing and add a center maybe, or keep him at center and add a wing? Do you, do you think the Jets are a team that would look to add at the deadline? Yeah, you'd imagine so. Like, they've been pretty competitive and, you know, uh, we talked to – I remember talking about it a lot last year when you get a team that's maybe uh, – uh done like or i guess done like they've been ahead of the curve all year long like the jets have been shooting for high percentage they've got an excellent goaltending so they're sitting in a a better spot than maybe they should be but you could take advantage of that by adding the right pieces around what you already have because they obviously obviously have a lot of talent on their team um but i i don't know what i would look to add like yeah obviously you'd, you'd like for some more depth in that top nine whenever you can get it um but maybe another defenseman too especially with Truber going out over the next little bit. He's one of their stronger defenders at 5v5. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I would imagine so, though. They're definitely at, at the point. Uh, they're coming up at the point of the deadline, I guess, where they would definitely uh, be considered buyers and not sellers anyway. Biebs, what do you think? Uh, just to be a little bit of a devil's advocate to the Wheeler side of things, um, which I I do agree should probably go back to the wing. That's just what's worked for years, and there's reasons why they had him there. You know, this isn't some new theory that's coming out of nowhere. Um, but if they were to have him, uh, mostly what I like was that, and you kind of pointed it out right away, was that, that third line with Brian Little on it. Um, that's a phenomenal third line center. Then um, someone who can, you know, if they're playing against another team's third line, can actually take over. Um, but at the same time, then it's hurting you, as D mentioned, with Wheeler uh, defensively on the second line. So it's, it's, it's a give and take. Um, one thing that I thought for sure is going to affect it, and we did talk about this, is obviously the trade. So I could see them trying this out. If they continue to go on the streak like they have, I think they're, what, 5-2 and two in their last seven, um, something like that. If they continue to play hot like that, um, they might not switch it right away, kind of ride it out. If it doesn't work, you know, move back to what what was working but if 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 not um this is a team where they are the closest thing we're going to get to last year's pens i do think they look great across the board not to mention at home they're almost unstoppable um and if they can get home ice advantage throughout the playoffs that's going to be dangerous um but i could definitely see them picking up someone we've we've said it and i'm not evander kane evander (laughs) kane bringing them back back. (laughs) um send send big buff for kane no i don't know um but yeah um it's gonna be interesting to see what they do i definitely would be super surprised if they did nothing though um they love making trades out there so uh this team's gonna be dangerous though for sure but you know it's crazy to think of them as pittsburgh like d said it's not malkin and crosby out there no and and i i agree with you d that i think that they are a better team still with him on the wing i think it just makes that top line you can almost you almost can't match up against them they're just so good um and 
I think the, the one thing it does do is at least Paul Maurice, it might put Paul Maurice at ease a little bit more, knowing that he kind of has this option. If something, you know, they go to the playoffs with Shifley, Little, Lowry as their top three centers, and then something happens where, you know, it's just not working out. At least he knows he has this option, that, you know, he could maybe split Shifley and Wheeler up and put uh, Wheeler down the middle. I think that yeah, at least try it the out. fact that they've got it, if they need to do it, helps but I think that I I agree you know put those two back together because they were dominant earlier and just kind of make it so that they're just out there crushing the opposition night in and night out nothing else to add no that's great (laughs) well since we off close it off start up the next segment (laughs) we kind of talked about the trade deadline there with the Jets a little bit and I just want to take a look uh I guess a brief intro into the trade deadline uh, I'm going to be gone to the uh, on vacation the week leading up to the deadline. So these next couple weeks, we're really going to focus on kind of previewing the deadline, who's available, who's going to be buyers, who's going to be sellers, because the week of the trade deadline, we probably won't be recording a podcast. So uh, let's start with you, D. Who's a team that you really think needs to make a move here at the deadline? I think the... Like, you're looking for competitive teams that have an obvious weakness. And to me, the two most obvious ones right now would be the Blackhawks and the Islanders. Um, you know, the Islanders obviously needed a goalie for the last few years. But the Blackhawks now with uh, Crawford being out potentially long-term. Uh, they're both looking for a starting goalie, I think. I don't know if Jeff Glass and Anton Forsberg is enough to carry the Hawks to the playoffs. And they're still at the point where that should definitely be the goal right now. Um but I'm not sure really what's going to be available. I think Ranta would probably be my top pick and a guy who would, uh, you know, might be able to be a legitimate starter on a good team. His contract expiring this year is only $1 million hit. Um, he's posting a 919 this year in Arizona. He was like 922 last year in New York. So certainly better than what these teams are working with right now. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I, I don't really know, man. Like, there's not like a lot of. Obviously, you get to the point. Uh, to be a competitive team at this point in the season, you don't really have an obvious weakness. I, Vegas is another one. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make some moves. Um, add to that blue line a little bit for sure. Uh, but aside from that, I, you know, Islanders and Blackhawks to me are the most obvious for sure. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we're here. We are in February, and we're talking about the Vegas Golden Knights potentially being buyers at the deadlines. Just absolutely unfathomable. Um, Ranta would be interesting for sure going back to Chicago, kind of where he started his NHL career. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that he is, would obviously be their more, like the most obvious target for them if they're going to beef up their goaltending. Should should Crawford miss the rest of the season just because of, like you mentioned, the cap hit. They're a team that's really kind of strapped up against it. Uh, yeah. and we've already seen them make uh, two trades with the Coyotes here in the last calendar year. So maybe they go mm-hmm. back to the well there and, and bring Ranta over. Um, and then my team was the same as yours. The Islanders is obviously a team that needs to do something here. I honestly just don't know how long the Islanders can just sit back and watch this shit show <laughs> that they call their goaltending. Like, it's they're terrible. Like, you watched it last night, probably, D, like, against the Leafs. Yeah. Like, Grice, like, the Leafs dominated, for sure. But Grice was just awful. Yeah. You, like, yeah. Uh, I don't remember whose goal it was. I think it was Dermot's, maybe not Dermot's. There's Whatever. no games being stolen on that team. No, right yeah. Now. And, yeah, like, yeah. that's the thing. 
But at the same time, you can't pin it all on the goalies because the Islanders yeah, have given up the most terrible. scoring chances and the most high score, high danger scoring chances. Perfect storm against in the NHL. Yeah, but like storm. that's all the more reason if that's going to be your motto is to, or, you know, you go out and you, you run this high powered, high skilled offense and you don't play any defense. You've got to have the goaltending to back this up, and they simply do not. Um, like obviously, maybe adding a defenseman would help. You know, they lost Calvin DeHaan for a long time. Who knows when mm-hmm. he's going to be back. Um, so maybe they need to add a defenseman and a goalie to help kind of figure things out back there because it's a bit of a shit show right now. Um, I don't know why they keep trotting Dennis Seidenberg out there. He's <laughs> basically just a carcass on the ice at this point. Um, I don't know if Antti Ranta or Peter Mrazek or Robin Lehner, if any of these guys would be the, the answer. This would be the guy to push them over the edge. But, like, at this point, it's you got to look at it. It has to be an upgrade over what they've got because it's just been it's been brutal. And like they're right there. Like if there's a team that's spoiling their whole season, it's these guys. I mean, like For they're sure. top three yeah. in the NHL in scoring. Barzell might be the rookie of the year. Everly's having a good year. Uh, Honors Lee, Josh Bailey, both having career years. Like I don't know what Tavares they're waiting. is still on their team. Yeah, for now, exactly. Like their career window is closing, and I don't know what they're waiting for. It just makes no mm-hmm. sense. I don't know if like the market just isn't there yet. I don't know what it is. I just can't believe it. Like I just I can't believe night in and night out they're like Halak starting, Grice is starting, Halak starting, Grice is starting. These guys go in and give up three and four every single night. Makes no sense. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Like you said, they're top three in scoring, and then most goals against all year. I, I don't think we've ever, well, not ever, but I don't think in the last five years I can think of a team who's looked more obvious to grab people at the deadline than the Islanders. And the thing is, they probably just won't. And it'll, it'll pass and be like, what? Like, but, could, you, um, could you imagine having the second most goals in the league and being a minus 16 goal differential? <laughs> like, what? Terrible. Like, how does that even make sense? Yeah. Like, the and other teams that t- have scored around them, like Tampa Bay and Vegas, they're, they're first, and sec- or first and third in goals for they're plus yeah. forty eight and plus thirty eight respectively. Like, and then the Islanders minus sixteen. Like, it's a shit show. Good yeah. correlation there. Yeah, and uh, and and it's it's like I, I didn't really realize it because I haven't really watched them. I've just you know watched them put up points on DraftKings nightly. But um, yeah. but I watched last night when they played the Leafs, and and that D is just it looks it's hard to say not terrible but it's a bunch of five six guys back there um playing playing in a top four it kind of seems like besides nick letty but even nick letty isn't you know he's not a shutdown guy he's uh he's an offensive defenseman so there's a couple things they really need to address out there and obviously like you said dehan going down helps no one um but another team that i kind of looked at um and just kind of this is super just shoddy and just me pulling stupid articles but could happen um and this is uh tampa picking up a d-man um we currently see jake docton on their first pair with victor hedman um taking the right side we definitely see an improvement there and one crazy name that uh that actually isn't that much of a stretch is uh, eric carlson brock i know you want to kind of mention him um but if there is any team that can get him it is tampa or um or vegas is also another team that that again Brock's going to go into but um but th- these are the two front runners and and for Tampa it would make a lot of sense especially this year it could put them over the top um they already kind of look like the best team but they're going to be looking to to just stack themselves as the elite front runner to win the cup um and as we know Steve Eisman gets stuff done and very well and normally it's the correct move so I, I expect the same thing this year um and, and but for me, I I, I actually I kind of just wrote down a couple guys I thought that were gonna for sure get traded at the deadline, um, and we're gonna go into in depth bigger next week. But for me, it's Vander Kane's being moved, and I think he's gonna be moved to 
Um, it was a good suggestion earlier with um, with Winnipeg there. I yeah, that'd be the, that. That'll never happen. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it would be cool to see. But um, I think that he's gonna have a huge price. Like the other one's Mike Green. Just he's the he's the best D man on the market, and one that ta- we could also see Tampa go for. Um, Eisman obviously has some ties with Detroit, mm-hmm. um, so who knows what could happen there? And then Mike Hoffman. Um, that team needs to open up some space to for Carlson this this offseason. They're going to let him go. He's going to be asking a lot of money. Um, I think they're going to take whatever they can get. And then finally, Michael Grabner is the other kind of obvious one for me. Um, guys who who's having another huge year after last year. Um, we didn't think he could do it again, but he's doing it. So if New York was smart, you take all the value you can get for uh, for Michael Grabner. Um, Guy just yeah, scores just, goals and skates yeah. really fast. It's crazy. Um, he just goes back, goes over to New York, puts up twenty plus two straight years, and he's just he's he's awesome. But, I called um, that four years ago. Yeah, <laughs> the first episode of the podcast. Episode one. <laughs> episode one. Um, podcast. Yeah, the one thing right after that statement. Yeah, almost. I was, almost uh, clearly I was right. Like I don't know what you want to argue about. <laughs> Deep. Um, we we're talking about future picks. Yeah, in that segment. Yeah. No, the other thing. <laughs> The thing I'll say about trading Carlson is that it it really seems more and more that they're just not going to be able to resign him. So if you know that at this point, obviously, like logically speaking, it makes a lot more sense to move him this year. Um, You'll get way more for a year and a half Carlson than you will for half a season if you if you do it next year. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But you know, I'm not banking on the Senators to think logically about all this. (laughs) No, and. they kind of got shafted in that Matt Duchesne trade and gave up assets. So it just seems so counterproductive <laughs> at this point to be like, well, we need to trade our best player to get assets back. Like, what are you guys doing out there? Figure it out. True. Get the uh, assets you gave away. Yeah. The uh, the Lightning are obviously, they apparently appear to be the front runners for Carlson, which is just insane. Like, they would look like the Golden State Warriors at this point. You know, Stamkos, Kucherov, yeah. Hedman, Carlson. Like, the NHL's, I think it was TSN did a piece today. Like, could the Lightning be the first NHL super team, like, in the salary cap era? And it's it's crazy that it could happen. I mean, I'm, I, it, makes me, we're gonna get. it makes me more and more angry that uh, Ken Holland just shut the door on Steve Eisman being the next general manager of the... Detroit Red Wings. So then he was like, "Hey, see you later." Then I'm going to uh, Tampa, and he's just been absolutely phenomenal. But Tough, uh, yeah. dude, do you think Babcock would still be in Detroit? <laughs> nah. But uh, Travis Yost mentioned this a couple days ago, and he said, "Man, like the Golden Knights would just be a the perfect landing spot for Carlson, and it would honestly just be the greatest story ever. Just like expansion team just plays." Unbelievably trades for the best defenseman in the league, and like they're actually just going to be good forever after that, right? Yeah, they have the cap space to make it happen. They got two superstars and Carlson and Marcheseau. Yep, they got the Carlson Carlson connection. Just be (laughs) it'd be excellent. And then going back to what you said there, uh, Beebs about Mike Green. uh, There's been a lot of chatter about a potential Mike Green Washington Capitals reunion. Uh, For me, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Capitals. I don't know how uh, it would work financially for them, but you know, Christian uh, Juice and Madison Bowie. They've, they've had good rookie seasons. They've played pretty well on that back end, but they're probably not the answer come playoff time. I mean, they could be the answer for the Washington Capitals who like to just bow out early, but uh, Green in that system could play some more sheltered minutes, you know, behind Carlson and Orloff. Uh, he'd play most likely with somebody like Brooks Orpik, who's a stay-at-home guy, which would help kind of protect him and, and activate him offensively, and then he would obviously help the Capitals power play which I think already sits in the top 10 in the NHL so 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Washington's got to go for it eventually, right? I mean, they yeah. have been trying forever. But this is their year. The, you, the you know, like the window, the Ovechkin You know, they just is, traded for Shattenkirk last year, right? <laughs> yeah, because that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, there's got to be, they got to keep, I guess they got to just keep trying this until, <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that Ovechkin window is not going to be open forever, right? It's going to close eventually. And Yeah, but probably, you know, later than most windows. Yeah, yeah, for sure, but I mean, it's still like, come on, it's a like, big window. They've eventually got to just do it, right? Like, yeah, they, they can't I think Backstrom this. and like everything else around him is what's more, you know, worrying, I guess, troublesome. Yeah, for Backstrom's sure. Production this year, but yeah, they still have one of the man. best goalies in the league. They still have a good team. Coups. I just, I don't yeah. know, man. I just can't believe that they're just gonna just sit there. They're like the, it's like what the Detroit Tigers did forever. Like they were just super good, but just never could win a championship, and it was like. As a fan, just the most frustrating thing to watch. Oh, so they're going to be in a rebuild in two years? Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, do you guys have anything else to add on the trade deadline before we head to the break in the Blue Stones? No, don't want to get too jumpy on it just because, you know, I get all giddy when it comes around. So can't get too excited yet. For sure. Yeah, no. We'll, uh, so let's go over to the Blue Stones. Next week, like I said, we're going to have a lot more trade talk to dive into uh kind of just each go through our, our own trade boards and kind of discuss what we think is going to happen because uh, i think with each passing week each each day you get closer to the trade deadline you kind of get a little bit more knowledge as to what's going on uh and you know literally like in the nhl at this point in the, in the year one week can make a such a big difference between who's a buyer and who's a seller so enjoy the blue stones we'll see you back here in 60 seconds Episode 20 of the Daily Faceoff podcast brought to you by mybookie.ag. Boys, the big game coming off this weekend. Head over to mybookie for all your gambling needs. I mean, literally, boys, you can bet on anything you want. Yeah. Like, you can you can bet on the national anthem. You can bet on what color the Gatorade is going to be poured on the winning coach. Yeah. You can bet on Orange, I think way. what color what color shoes Justin Timberlake's going to be wearing. Like literally anything you want, yeah, anything you want, you can, you can bet on the Super Bowl. So <laughs> head over to my bookie; they will match up your first deposit up to fifty percent. You can literally bet on anything on this weekend. On top of that, you can bet on hockey as well, which we all do. Yeah. So and head over to my bookie just for listening to the Daily Faceoff podcast. Like I said, they will match your first deposit up to fifty percent. So head over, follow the link on dailyfaceoff.com and they will, like I said, match it up. So, boys, before we get back to hockey, though, like I said, big game this weekend. The Patriots are back in the Super Bowl. They are four-and-a-half-point favorites. So why don't we just take five minutes here to give the listeners our Super Bowl picks. Beebs, we'll start with you. 
Um, so one thing that I um, that I did bet, I just dropped fifty bucks straight up on the Patriots. Um, and just because you know it's the Patriots and they they always win, so I was like, this is just this is just smart. So Mike being smart and picking favorites. Uh, Tom Brady, I mean, no, Tom Brady versus Nick Foles. Foles, who are you gonna take? Uh, easy enough. Another thing that I found hilarious, a friend of mine put $2 down on Jake Elliott to be the, um, who's the kicker for Philly, um, to be the MVP of the game. And that actually pays out, um, close to $200. So it's pretty hilarious. little bet there. Um, (laughs) pretty awesome, but you can do stuff like that. So I also put, um, I put a couple dollars on Alshon Jeffrey to be the MVP because he had some nice, uh, some nice odds there. So it's kind of, kind of one of my little side, side bets I got going. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days. But, um, but for me, it's all about the Patriots. Um, taking this thing home pretty easily, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, Beeb's nailed it. It's Tom Brady versus Nick Foles. Uh, I was surprised to see that the line's kind of as close yeah, as crazy. it is. I know it's the Super Bowl and everything else, and Philly's got a great defense, but four and a half seems pretty small, so I like being on the Patriots side of that. Um, and other than that, I'm taking the under on the national anthem. Nice. Because it's cold. It's I don't know who's singing it. Hell. Who's singing it? Um. It is well, Pink. Pink, Pink is singing it, yeah. But Pink might make it a show. Yeah, you know what? Might Pink's turn into a show. No, Pink's ego's not too big, bro. She's not yeah. going to make it about That's herself. That's the thing, no. though. She's just going to get right. She's going to get right through it. The huge factor is those no, temperatures. She's keep it under the one twenty one. No and one half. wants to go. No one wants to go the two or over the two minutes. I think that's where it's at. That's where the bet starts. It's two minutes, right? Because it's yeah, yeah. It's well on my bookie. It's at one twenty one and a half. So just yeah. over two minutes. Yep. Two minutes, one second, and yeah. a half. And uh, it's way. Yeah, I like that. I like that under a lot. Way too cold, in Minnesota. It's hilarious. Yeah. I've never, I've minutes. never done like these crazy bets. I've only heard people talk about them, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to kind of just put a couple dollars on just some completely random shit. Yeah. Like, how hard are you gonna sell you when all of a sudden they just pour a Gatorade on the coach, at Bill Belichick, probably at the end, and it's, it's orange, and you got orange, and you just go ham. That would be amazing. I was thinking about yeah. going the no. Ooh, what Gatorade about? Do bet, you think though, just because it's Belichick, so it's like. <sighs> do you guys think JT is gonna wear a hat? Uh, fedora. Yeah, it's yeah. JT. Like, let's no, be honest. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely wearing right. a fedora. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he goes no hat. Maybe, but that's what it's all about. He's gonna uh, pull out I'm his own this time, though. Okay, sorry, Brock. You go. <laughs> oh man, I, that should be a bet. Wardrobe malfunction? Yes or no? Um, sure but I'm so. taking the Patriots minus four and a half as well. Uh, I actually like. I really want the Eagles to win. I actually grew up an Eagles fan for turning over to the Lions. Big mistake, I guess. Uh, I legitimately have a Donovan McNabb painting in my office, which is hilarious. Like, it's the only painting I own. It's it's of Donovan McNabb. It's so jokes. Uh, But the Patriots, like I said, yeah, too good to lose to Nick Foles. Foles has played like a man possessed in the playoffs, sure. But the Patriots will do their homework and make things difficult for the once second string quarterback. Uh, I think the Eagles obviously keep it close, but the Super Bowl has been decided by a field goal or less just twice over the last decade. So I like the four and a half point spread. Makes me uh, makes me comfortable. I think I think that's a nice spot for them. Uh, and then in terms of MVP talk, I'm gonna go Dion Lewis just because he can do a bunch of shit. Dion. And he was, he started his career with the Eagles, and they never really let him touch the field. And then of course he goes to New England and he does all sorts of crazy shit. So he's gonna you know get some revenge on his former team, and he's gonna take home MVP honors. But People don't usually like to hear us talk about football on a hockey podcast, so why don't we get back to a little bit of fantasy hockey action. Uh, D, let's go right back to you. Who is a must-own player under 25 years old that you don't think is getting enough respect on the waiver wire right now? 
All right, well, I'm not going to talk about him, but I'll just mention Bo Horvat real quick. Talked about him a lot last week uh, and just recently in general on the show. He still sits at 33%. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's that's pretty ridiculous. He's going to be in their top six, if not on the top line with Besser eventually. Um, and, yeah, he should be pretty good down on the stretch. He was at about a 55, 60-point pace before he went out. Should be right around that for the rest of the season. So I like Horvat. Uh, another guy who fits here, though, is Travis Konechny. As long as he's on the Flyers' top line, for me, he's a must-own right now. Uh, he's on a five-game goal streak going into tonight. He's been up playing around 17 minutes a night on that top line. And his ownership has been skyrocketing. It's up 32% since last week, but it's still at 36% right now, so he's still available in a lot of leagues. Um, he's 20 years old. He's put up just 23 points in 50 games this season, but he's racked up 13 in his last 14 since he got moved to the top line. So Konechny looks uh, pretty good right now. Uh, for me, it's um, I, and I I actually hated doing this one because it meant that um, Nathan McKinnon was injured. Um, so for me, it's Alexander Kerfoot out in Colorado. Um, this guy decided to go to Colorado this year, um, straight out of college from Harvard, I believe it was Harvard, yeah. Um, and uh, just because he knew yeah. he was going to get a spot on the roster, just because they are they were a rebuilding team, and now he's turned into their number one center for the next two to four weeks. Um, so like I said, um, number one center, that's always worth, um, adding, playing alongside Miko Rantanen and Landis Cog, basically stepping right into Nathan McKinnon's spot on that first line, but, um, huge, absolutely massive giant boots to fill. Um, and I don't expect Kerfoot to fill them with his, uh, tiny Kerfeet. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm done. Oh my um, God. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, Jesus. Kerfoot, Kerfoot's had 32 points in 46 games this year, um, on very limited minutes. He's averaging, um, around 13 minutes per game, which is, that, that's about third line minutes for, for a player. Um, but they've allowed him, they've given him the offensive chances. They've put him on their, on their second line power play and then moved him up to their first in recent weeks. Um, anyone who's on, um, uh, a first-time power play is worth an ad at least near the end of your uh, of your roster in most leagues. Um, but for Kerfoot, now that he's a, a first-line center as well as first-line center power play unit, um, alongside a pair that was working, he's definitely worth an ad in these last final weeks. Um, and the McKinnon trade, or, uh, I'm sorry, the McKinnon injury, not trade, wow. Um, the injury is very up in the air right now. It's kind of no one really knows or is saying what's going on. So I don't know about you, Brock. Um, but I feel like the two to four is just them being generous. I feel like it could be a little bit longer, and I'm a little bit worried. Um, but Kerfoot makes a nice ad at this point of the year. Um, another super quick toss on top, um, Anthony Bolivier. I mentioned he's playing alongside um, super rookie Matt Barzell and um, Jordan Everly. He's had uh, he's, he's put a couple goals on the board in the last couple weeks. He's got 12 on the year. Um, he's pushing career numbers, and just a guy who's getting top six in a uh, in a very productive top six uh, lineup. And he's getting second power. If only they could keep goals out of their own net. Exactly, but that doesn't matter for us in fantasy. So uh, just check <laughs> Olivier. But I like Kerfoot a lot going forward. He also has that center right wing eligibility. Um, dual eligibility is sexy. So yeah, check it. Who do you got, Brock? Yeah, they. Um, I'd like going back to kind of what D said. Horvat, we talked about him a ton last week. Absolutely love him. Talented. Uh, on an absolute heater right now. It doesn't look like he's going to move off that top line at all anytime soon. So. Definitely worth a look. Uh, D, what did you say Konechny's own percentage was at, sorry? 36 right Crazy. Now. Yeah, far too low. Uh, that is the definition of why we do this <laughs> segment, because that needs to come up considerably. Uh, somebody who's a lot higher owned than that, for, uh, but is a must-own still for me, is Ricard Raquel. He should be owned in 100% yeah, leagues. must uh, trade for Possession-wise, actually, Raquel's numbers are down a bit this year, uh, but his shot volume is up considerably. 
Uh, Raquel is on pace for a career high 218 shots uh, and is shooting right around his career average, which is 13%, which is pretty high, but I mean, he's maintained it over a number of seasons now. So uh, he's on pace for his second consecutive 30 goal season and his first career 60 point season. Uh, So, you know, a 30-30 player is definitely somebody that should be owned in all formats. Uh, He's seemingly getting better every single year. His role continues to grow. He's a staple on that top line with Ryan Getzlaff right now. I mean, you see players like Corey Perry move down to the fourth line. Raquel doesn't go anywhere. Uh, I like the Ducks to make some noise here in the second half. Now that they're healthy, at the same time, they're getting shut out by the Senators and Mike Condon as we speak, so I don't know what that means. But Ricard Raquel's uh, own percentage should definitely be above you know, 90. He's on pace for a 30-30 year. I don't know what more you could ask for. Yeah. Uh, you know... And then another guy, Pretty twenty decent. considerably less owned, is Alex DeBrincat at 22% owned. DeBrincat's rookie season has been overshadowed by players like Barzil and Bo, or Brock Besser, uh, like we mentioned Super earlier. Good. But he's actually had a really good rookie year in his own right. Uh, crazy impressive 55.8 Corsi rating with a 3.5 relative Corsi, which is really good on a talented Blackhawks team. All he does uh, is score. Yeah, and he's playing big minutes with uh, Johnny Taves right now, which is huge. It looks like it could become a long-term thing. I mean, there's no Marion Hosa coming back anytime soon. Uh, so they don't really have a ton of other options. And, I mean, I don't know what else to say about who's going to replace him. I mean, whether it's Brandon Sad, obviously, it could happen again. But it looks like the way DeBrincat's playing with Taze right now, I don't think it's going to change. Uh, he is on pace for 28 goals and 25 assists. But still just sits at 22% own, which is, again, a bit bizarre to me, uh, just under Raquel's production. Uh, but at the same time, his pace has been aided by some absolutely monster performances. A couple weeks ago, I think we had three goals and an assist. But at the same time, this is a three-time 100-point scorer in the OHL. Uh, so he does have that kind of game-breaking talent. And, you know, at 22% own, this could be a guy that you could add in deeper leagues at the bottom of your roster, and he could literally win you a week. Like, he could just go on a heater and, you know, score four or five goals with a couple assists. He's shown that he can just absolutely go on a tear. Yeah, he's the um, first since, rookie, I think they said, in Chicago history with two two hat-tricks in, a, in his yeah. rookie season or something. I don't know, crazy. So, like, he's not the most consistent producer. He's obviously streaky, and I think that kind of helps keep his own percentage down. But at the same time, um, his talent is obvious. You just by looking at his his numbers in in juniors and the, his numbers now, uh, he was this, a steal in the second round yeah. for the Blackhawks. He's going to be a stud moving forward. But he's uh he's definitely moved up and down the lineup a lot more too than Barzell and Besser have, where they've just kind of been uh, given roles in the top six after their breakouts. DeBrincat spent a lot of time on the third and fourth line. He spent uh, the majority of the year. Yeah, he spent the majority yeah. of the year there. And yeah. but like, and I, but I, I I do agree with you now, Brock. That I, I think if even if Sod was to get bumped back up to the top line, I think we would definitely see Duclair get bumped off exactly. before DeBrincat at this point. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's not a lot of. Uh, there's really not a ton of other talented wingers on the team like i you know to i think yeah like i said he's gonna uh hold the spot over duclair brandon sad's obviously yeah. pretty talented kane's pretty talented but outside of that i mean like ryan hartman tommy wingles vinnie hinnestroza thomas Yurko, there's not a lot of talent Mitch on the Mouse. wing there um they're pretty deep down the middle uh with tave schmaltz and anisimov but to i think is gonna have a permanent spot up there uh you know he bounces in and off the um the power play sometimes Duclair's arrival has kind of diminished his power play usage a little bit, but uh, I think mm-hmm. he'll kind of sneak his way back on that power play with t- with some time. And I just think that 
Um, he maybe isn't a must-own in all formats, but in 12-team leagues, 14-team leagues, I think his own percentage just deserves to be a little bit higher than 22. For sure. Any uh, Anybody else you guys want to talk about under 25 years old? I mean, I'm over 25, so I'm, um, you know, I, I don't even fit in this category anymore. I'm old as shit I mean, now. Matias Janmark is 25, and he got bumped up to the top line with uh, Sagan and Radulov, so if that stays, he could be interesting. But he's, you know, far from a must-own. It was just a thought. Yeah, yeah. The, and, like, the only warning i'd have about that is the fact that like i feel like they do this constantly it's like they they separate yeah. the big three and for just one game and then it's like we'll probably see ben, they'll probably lose tonight and then ben will be back on that line tomorrow actually if they lose yeah, tonight to like, arizona oh my god i'm gonna shit they're down one nothing right now oh my goodness gracious um anti-ranta he's only gonna, gonna shit. anti-ranta is only gonna let allow two goals and they're gonna lose three two still though because that's just what happens that's, every night that's the coyotes way yeah he's he's literally allowed he's made this is his sixth consecutive start he's allowed two goals yeah. in every single game for the last five <laughs> and he, oh, yeah. they've they've won two of the five yeah so that's good <laughs> but uh yeah so anyways uh good luck to everybody who oh. joined our DraftKings contest yeah. tonight keep an eye on the patrick uh, too yeah, that was yeah. That's a good one. He uh, just moved up to that yeah. that second line with that lo- that second yeah, line, right? Him, it's him, Voracek, and Simmons. And Simmons. Yep. Um, and I think they got another crazy tonight as well. I, yeah, yeah. No, I love I love that yeah. line. So you, the only thing about Patrick is he just does not shoot the puck. Yeah, if you're gonna keep yeah, right, no, he, grab well, him, he's he like seventeen yeah, right away. <laughs> yeah, he's only. I don't know what his own percentage is on Yahoo on seven percent two. Not I. Seven on there you go. Crazy. Yeah, that's definitely somebody worth looking at. You know, just eleven points in forty one games. But if he plays full time with those two guys, he could definitely start heating up a little bit. But uh it, I hope you guys enjoyed season three, episode twenty of the Daily Face Up Podcast, sponsored by mybookie.ag. We're gonna send you guys over to the Blue Stones. Uh we'll be back next week, like I said, with a trade deadline preview episode. Uh then we will most likely take a week off. Maybe we can scramble one together on a Monday or something, perhaps, before I leave. But uh yeah, enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here, same time, same place, next week. So much. Peace. Broken down, so I walk the line. I drop my wounds and I die. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. I fly low like a broken arrow. The time slows and my vision arrows. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Sing your hearts out, sing it loud Make me happy, make me proud Black holes, solid ground Black holes, solid ground A thousand voices set on free Because this silence is killing me on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 